We are wrapping up our Faithfulness uh, to Fruitfulness series. And um, how many of you have found this series uh, pretty challenging as we've dived into this whole concept of what we do with our money, what the Word of God has to say about generosity, about uh, living fruitful lives? How many of you have found it challenging? All right, a few of us. I found it hugely challenging. I know Sarah and I have, have kind of dived into this journey as we've have we br- have we tried to bring some of this stuff to our community. Um, but I've found it challenging because there's so much that the Word of God has to say that um, ultimately helps me orientate my life. And I was beginning to realize as the weeks and even the month went on that there were certain things the Lord was challenging me over where I needed to reorientate myself. One of the verses that has kept coming back to me as we've been journeying through this series is in Psalm 119. It says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. And I find that so helpful because there's, a, there's an illumination that comes from God's word as it points itself towards my life that begins to light up and begins to illuminate the path where I get to journey with God and walk. That actually there's an invitation in, in the truth and the light and the life of God's word for me to journey with God. And in that process of illumination, there, there's an amazing challenge that comes to my life because I get to consider where am I orientated? What path am I on? Where am I heading? What direction am I going? And the bottom line is we've looked at this whole finance thing. There's so many things that we can believe about our finances, about blessing, about generosity, who God is, what he's going to do for us, what we need to do for him. We can believe all sorts of things, and some that are considered, some things that are not, some things that are a response to God's word, some things that are a response to my fear, my anxiety. But in all of this, if we can be committed in this process of allowing this beautiful Word of God to illuminate our path, there comes a challenge, but there comes a great freedom to say, no, 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 there's a path, there's an orientation towards the direction that I'm going to head in this whole area of my finances that I get to walk with God in. And the beauty of that is is that I'm not standing up here telling you what to do. I'm simply, we've been simply journeying through Scripture to say, God, would you let the light of your truth illuminate on the reality of my life and my finances, and would you help me show the way? Would you help me know where I need to walk? Would you help me know where I'm pointed in the wrong direction and maybe just need to reassess, reorientate, reconnect myself to your purposes and plans and your provision for me in this whole area of finances? So that's been our hope, that actually we would learn throughout this series as we close it out, not just to think about something that informed us, but something that formed in us that we would respond with our lives, that we would learn to walk in the blessing of God as we intentionally uh, look at how we deal with finances, how we deal with resource, how we think through our lives as, as generous people. And um, I remind you again, like we dived into this series not because at the turn of the year we looked at our budget and thought, goodness me, we're lacking. Like our finances has never been better as a church. That's encouraging. They've never been better. So this is not a plea from the church for greater resources. I love the fact that I get to say, actually, we've been on this journey simply because tithing and giving and generosity, it's not good for me. It's not good for us as a church. It's good for you. It's about aligning with the principles of heaven. Uh, But I do think it's kind of funny that in the midst of this journey, at the end of it, and we didn't, again, when we set out on this journey, there was no building in sight. And it's amazing to think that actually some of the things that we've been processing, some of the things that we've been wrestling with individually and corporately, as we begin to step into the season, that is actually going to cost us 
a great deal in the whole area of our finances and generosity, that actually the Lord would have been preparing our hearts, would have been speaking to us, would have been illuminating this path as we move towards the building he has for us. I love the grace of God in that. But we are closing out this series um, today, and I want to talk to you about faithfulness and fruitfulness. And in particular, I want to look at God's great reward. And I want to land this series looking at God's promise of reward, God's promise of increase, God's promise of blessing, God's promise of multiplication. And again, framing all of this, we realize that that He is our prize. He is our prize. We don't pursue the blessing. We want to know and experience relationship with the blesser. That's what frames this journey. Ultimately, we know that we are ones who, in intimacy with God, we seek His face, not His hand. But... In the context of Scripture, He promises to bless us. He promises that in in response to our faithfulness, our obedience, and our generosity, that He will bless us. So in order to do that well, I have to introduce a concept to you this morning that at first you may may have to wrestle with. And it's the concept of reward. Concept of reward. How many of you went to school... And at the end of year, you would have a, a, a prize giving or a, um, a prize giving like ceremony award. How many of you went to schools where that, that kind of thing happened? Yeah, there would be, you know, you'd be a whole, you know, three, four hundred kids in a room and they would go through various different prizes and various different accolades by way of rewarding those kids throughout the year who'd excelled, done well. I always found it really funny because I would sit there in these, um, these ceremonies, these reward evenings, and, um, and as they were kind of reading through the various different awards, there would be, um, in my heart, a sense of anticipation. I was expecting some, somehow that when that, left, that envelope was open, that my name would be in there, that I would get a reward. And the irony of that is, is that I had done nothing at any point during my school career to ever warrant. Even that... Even that even that one reward, which is like most, most excelled or, or uh, most improved student. Remember that? I didn't even get that one. But I'm like, the whole concept of reward is something, that, is something that actually I think is innately built into the fabric of our humanity. I actually believe that God put it there. And as we'll look in Scripture, there, there is a principle and a concept of reward that we get to experience in our journey with God, that we don't need to shy away from because of some sense of humility, but need to embrace. The reality for me is if I had kept front and center every day of my school life, there's a reward coming at the end. and Maybe one day that elation that I thought I would feel that I never felt, I would be the name in the envelope. If I had contemplated that at every day of my school, maybe I would have worked a little harder. It's a big maybe. But I think about Naomi. Naomi, stand up. Naomi works very, very hard at what she does, and she was rewarded yesterday winning the under-21s female triple jump senior. It was a senior. 13 meters nine. Heading towards that 14 meters. One day we are going to be sending you out to the Olympics. I fully believe that. But listen, Naomi, Naomi has worked very, very hard. And at the end of that, there is a reward. There's a, there's a goal that she, has, that she has aspired to and she's worked very, very hard and she's built a life that, that orientates itself towards that reward. And yesterday she got that reward, that gold medal around her neck. Amazing. 
But this concept of reward, I think, is something that we are challenged with as believers because of some sense of humility that, that somehow it's not right to be rewarded. It's not right to live a blessed life. Somehow it's better to be crushed, better to be meek, better to be subdued, better to live under, not on top. And, and it's just a, the wrong narrative. It's not what the Bible tells us. Throughout Scripture, God introduces this concept of reward, and it's tied to our understanding that God rewards, he chooses to bless and bring increase into our lives and multiply the resources we already have. It's a principle we find in Scripture. So I, I want to dive into some Scriptures to help set that as a context for our lives. And then towards the end, I want to talk to us a little bit about stewardship, how we steward the resources that God gives us. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, But without faith, it's impossible to walk with God and to please Him. For whoever comes near to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Listen, faith is what is needed to believe God exists in order to walk with him. But separate to that faith journey, that, that grace journey of being able to believe and trust in who God says he is and be able to walk with him outside of that faith journey, there is a separate context where as we seek him diligently and earnestly, there's a promise that beyond that seeking of him, there is a reward, right? So there is something that, that rests in our belief system, our faith orientation, our ability to take hold of grace that allows us to walk and know our intimacy to know and accept everything that Jesus did for us that paid the price so we could come back into relationship with God, that is our belief system. But our behavioral system has an impact too. How we behave, how we live life, how we seek earnestly and diligently God, at the other end of that is reward. But there's a tension, I realize this, there's a tension of, of, of grace and reward. Even in this, these couple of verses, there's a tension we've got to write out. The reality is that often to hear that kind of thing, we would feel conflicted. That there would be a concept which we know in the reality of grace. This is some, grace is something that we receive freely from God. It's nothing we can do. It's nothing we can earn. It's nothing that my behavior connects me to grace. It's nothing to do with what I earn or what I deserve. And yet there's this idea of reward that in some way my life, my actions, what I do determines my blessing, determines what's on the other side of me seeking God earnestly and diligently. And that is the concept of reward. Let me try and help you. I really believe that grace, it determines our belief, but our behavior determines our reward. They're not actually conflicting concepts. And so we can hold the tension of that because I fully believe that it is grace. It is nothing that you earn or deserve that, that bought the price for your connection to a father. There's nothing that you could do. You didn't deserve it or earn it. But there is a concept of blessing and reward that lies beyond how I choose to live my life in the light of that freedom and faith and grace that, that, I was, that was afforded to me. Belief and behavior. See, the life that we live out from a position of faith and grace, our belief system, can and does determine our reward. This is the concept we find here in Hebrews. Jesus 
helps us as well. He, he brings this concept front and center for us. And he makes it very plain. Mark 10 he says this, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, so in the here and now, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers. Mothers duplicated there, which is a terrifying thing for me. Well, we get mothers-in-law and that's a, that's a good thing. But anyway, <laughs> multiple mothers and children and lands. Caveat all that with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. What Jesus is saying is, is those that invest their lives, lay their lives down for the sake of Jesus, will be rewarded. That beyond how I live my life for him, there's a reality of blessing and reward. So I have to start to get comfortable with that. I get comfortable with it not as I sit back and in some sense I have great expectation that God will do it. There's my part to play. There's an investment of my life. There's a laying down of my life. But the reality is, is that in that investment, what comes on the other side of it is something quite extravagant. You know, we use this phrase, you know, you, you get out what you put in, right? So if you, if you want something in life, you, you, you get out what you're going to put in. In the kingdom dynamic, laying our lives down for Jesus, investing and giving of ourselves to Jesus, when we lay our lives down, what we get in is not comparable to what we get out. It's hundredfold. The reality of our expectation is that this beautiful reward beyond our own life's experience is one that God breathes on and multiplies. It has an increased dynamic to it, right? And it's both spiritual and material. You remember when we, when we dived into talking about generosity, you know, so not only is this a biblical context where, where, where we realize that there is, there is a reward beyond our seeking of him, that we don't understand that even Jesus' call to us that, to, to lay our lives down. In this whole narrative throughout scripture about generosity, we've come to understand that, that beyond our own generous life is a return to us. There is a blessing that comes. There is an increased multiplication that comes. And Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthian church, this was an early, early group of Jesus followers. And as they were learning the rhythms of what it was to follow Jesus, Paul wrote to them and helped them understand. And in this moment, the verse we're going to read was trying to help them establish some principles and values around living generously. And in 2 Corinthians 9, it says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, here's the reward. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, we'll come back to this verse in a minute, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That verse 11's um, 
just a, a beautiful cycle of generosity. There's this concept that in, in our generous living, that beyond that there is, a, is an increase in, in generosity and provision and blessing towards us, which creates a context where we get to be even more generous. And in the context of us being even more generous, there's, a, there's greater blessing and greater favor, which actually comes back to us, which means that we can be even more generous. There's this cycle. And I love that because at the heart of uh, this generosity journey and understanding that beyond our generosity, there is a reward. Beyond our laying our lives down for Jesus, there is a reward. We're, those things are built on some pretty simple and beautiful principles. That God is able to provide all that we need and bless us abundantly. Let's be clear, 2 Corinthians 9, this whole context is actually talking about finance and, and money. But actually, I think the reality is about every resource of our lives. This reward of abundant and all-encompassing provision comes in the light of our obedience and our generosity. So this faith journey with our, our finances, this faith journey with, with generosity, if we were to recognize that, that this context of reward, it's, it's built on, a, on two really simple principles that we have to own. And that is this, that God is able and he is more than willing to reward us. God is able and he's more than willing. He delights to reward us. And so in this journey, we can, we can build generous, obedient, faithful lives on the expectation that God is able to provide and he is willing to reward. He's willing to bless us. And you remember that when we talked about the, from Malachi, this concept of the tithe, this concept of, of walking in obedience and giving God the first fruits of our life, making him first in our life. The reality was is that in those, in those verses that beyond our obedience is blessing, right? You remember we talked about that. So the reality, conversely, is that beyond our disobedience is not blessing. And so therefore in that, we, ha we have a choice, we have a choice as, as the Word of God illuminates, illuminates the path in front of us. We have a choice as to whether I'm going to get on that path with God and go on a journey. And so some of these things that have been stirring in you, challenging in you, it is now a question for us, do I want to live a blessed life beyond my obedience, beyond, um, beyond my generosity, beyond how I treat and steward my finances? There is a road and a journey that takes me into a place of reward, a plate takes me into a place of blessing, and that becomes our choice. I want to transition and just look at one particular verse that really jumped out and has struck me, um, and it's verse 10. If you can throw those verses back on 2 Corinthians 10. This is what it says. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So the back end of that verse is talking about the reward. But at the front end of that verse, we have this concept of seed and bread, right? That actually God would provide to us, would resource our life with two very unique things. He would source and, and, um, he would source and give us two things, seed and bread. Now listen, the journey, I think, of maturity that we have to go on with our finances and thinking about the resources that God pours into our life is asking ourselves the question, what is it that I'm being resourced with and what part of that is seed 
And what part of that is bread, right? Because let me tell you this. It is very foolish for you to take seed and eat it. In the same way that it's very foolish for you to take bread and plant it. That's not, that's not what you do. Seed is for planting, investing, and bread is for eating. So I got to thinking that actually part of this whole maturity journey for us is, is not just simply obeying a set of principles and being locked into a, a simple like non-relational religious duty around our finances, but stepping into a maturity journey where we have to discover in relationship with Father God, what is it that you're putting into my life that is seed? And what is it you're putting into my life that's bread? Right? Because if we go through life planting our bread and eating our seed, we miss out on the fact that actually seed was intended to be planted and bread was intended to be eaten, right? But here's the thing. I wonder, maybe I'll just speak for myself. I wonder whether the predominant context for us is that whenever we receive anything into our life, be it a salary, be it blessing, be it whatever it might be, that actually for the most part, we just consider that's just bread. That's for me. That's my provision. I wonder how many of us walk through life ever, ever in intimacy with God, in this partnership journey with Him where we're inquiring of Him, ever go, God, I'm looking at the resource that you are pouring into my life and I am now being brutally honest and wanting to hear from you over, I need to know what's seed and I need to know what's bread. Because I need to know what I need to plant and invest and sow, but I also need to know what's for me. And that takes maturity, that takes intimacy, it takes relationship. It's not about ticking a bunch of lists and orders. It's about saying, God, I need to hear your voice around the, the resource that you're pouring into my life. And this is where stewardship comes in. Stewardship is about seeing the increase in blessings so that we have got our heads fully wrapped around whatever's coming into our life. I think that some of us have maybe got, um, got hoodwinked into thinking that stewardship is in some way, it's about protecting something. We think it's about taking care of something. And if you think about your life, there, there are probably four key areas. There's time. There's time that you have to invest. There's your treasure. The things that are of value to you, your finance. There is your talent. And the final one, whilst it's tenuous, it also brings with T. There's your touch, the things that you can physically give yourself to. So this resource that you have in a life that you are being asked to steward, and in that steward, you're figuring out what of this is seed and what of this is bread. That if we get locked into a, a concept where we think, oh, somehow, all this resource that's coming into my life, the time I have, the finance that I have, the talent I have, and the touch, the ability for, to do something for someone, all of that really, if I'm stewarding it, I'm kind of just taking care of it. And it's kind of like we walk around with a backpack and we say, well, this resource, this is, this is mine and I just kind of need to take care of it. So it goes in the backpack and it, goes, it slaps on our back and through the journey of life, we're kind of waiting and considering, oh, you know what? I need to pull on some of that resource that was for me. I need some of that money to do that thing. And we take off the backpack and we, we use that resource. Or there's that bit of time that we realize, oh, I need to give my time to this. And so it becomes something that we carry around. In some way, it's stewarding these things, these resources that God's given us, actually becomes this concept of just simply just taking care. When actually, true stewardship is considering these resources I've got in here, what aspect, what amount 
what dynamic of these is actually seed that I'm to invest, and what of it is actually just there for my provision. And without intentionality, without growing in an awareness of maturity, we simply find ourselves with a bunch of resources in a bag wandering around thinking that we've just got to look after or take care of these things rather than realizing there is seed in this bag that is actually called to be a part of my maturing development and also part of the way that God wants to reward me and bless me as I make best use of those things. But without intentionality and growing in awareness and maturity of that, we simply often think that all those resources, they're for ourselves, they're bread. And yet, right here in the scripture, we find there's two very different contexts, seed and bread. But maturity really is, it's about walking in relationship with God. It's about walking in the context of a close relationship with Holy Spirit where we're asking, we're inquiring, we are sensitive to the reality that the resource in our life is, is going one of two directions. It's going to be planted, given, sown, invested, or it's for my provision. And I wonder whether if these were like two kind of pendulum swing type things, whether actually many of us, we, I'll speak for myself, fall more on the fact that actually the pendulum out here is, is that everything I kind of get, it's for me. It's bread. And maybe, maybe you're in this room and actually you're swinging the pendulum all, all the way over the other side and it's like, well, actually, no, anything I get is to be sown. But actually, something of the maturity journey is figuring out, no, 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 it's not about occupying those two extremes. It's about walking with Holy Spirit to know in any given moment, in any given season, the resource of my life, could it be seed or could it be bread? And Jesus tells this amazing story, and this is what I want to focus in on for the last few minutes, and it's in Luke 19. And Jesus tells this story to, again, help us understand this context of, of reward, but also to help sharpen our focus around the reality of what it is to steward what we've been given. Luke 19, it's a story, so it won't come up on the screen, but I want to read it to you. It says this, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king, and then to return. So he called ten of his servants, and he gave them ten minors. A minus was a sum of money. And he said this to them, Put this money to work until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king. And however, and then he returned home. And on his return, he sent for the servants to whom he'd given the money in order to find out what they gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your miner has earned 10 more. The king replied, Well done, my good servant. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. Let's pause there for a second. So again, you've got this concept of reward beyond good stewardship. And in this context as well, what seemingly the, the small measure of just increasing this small amount of money tenfold come through, come through into the king's perspective, the kingdom perspective, this now entitled him to 10 cities. So the exponential growth is ridiculous. Let's carry on. The second came to him and said, Sir, your miner has earned five more. The master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, uh, here is your miner. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you 
because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. This is how the king replied. I'll judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his minor away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. And they replied, so he already has 10. And this is how the king replied, I tell you, to everyone who has more, Sorry, to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who had nothing, even what they have will be taken away. So there's a harsh reality to this journey of stewardship. There's something that should help us pay attention to, okay, God, this resource that you're putting into my life, is it bread? Is it seed? And if it is seed, Am I going to be somebody that walks around with it in my backpack and then gives it back to you in the form that it was? Or do I have expectation that actually you're calling me to, through my generous journey, to invest, to sow, to give away? And what we see is what God has given us, what he's designated as seed, is not for us to eat. It's not for us to simply put away and protect. It's given for us to plant. It's given for us to invest. It's given for us to truly steward. And I love this story because there's, there's, a, a, um, there's an unwritten dynamic in this story where the servants that did well, they understood the master. I think that's part of this, again, just reminding us that this maturity journey with our finances is about really understanding the heart of the Father. It's in intimacy and relationship with him that we get to really discover what is bread and what is seed. But the take-home point, really, of of this this passage is that God is a rewarder of faith and faithfulness, that there's a reward beyond our faithfulness, that faithfulness is rewarded with increase. Again, some of that kicks against some of our, our, what we consider to be a humility position, which is that we don't, we don't deserve anything. Well, that's true, but the reality is God chooses because of his nature and his kindness to bless us anyway. The context of reward is not really about what I bring to the table other than how I lay my life down, how I align myself with who God is, how I, through maturity and relationship, journey with him to know the resource that he's given me, I need to figure out, is this seed or is it bread? I want us to remember in in all of this stuff, we're not looking in scripture for formulas. Listen, we are connected to a person, not simply just a principle. Like if we're trying to align ourselves with principles, we'll end up with law and religion. But when we align ourselves with a person who through a living, breathing relationship wants to lead us into reward, blessing, increase, if it's through that context of relationship, we realize we're not looking for formulas so we can get rich. We're looking for relationships so we can foster and nurture an environment where we're connected to Father God. So we don't give because we get. We're not generous because in some way it moves God's hand because he wrote an equation in the Bible. We align ourselves to a person that invites us into a beautiful, radical journey of laying our life down for him, recognizing that every good and perfect gift comes from him. And at that point, 
I now begin to process that which has come to me. Is it seed or is it bread? Is it for me to sow or is it for me to eat? And guys, as we close this out, as we close this whole series, I want to remind us of really where the Lord started this journey with us. And that was from Luke 16, verse 11. That ultimately, in the context of thinking through finances, tithing, obedience, generosity, this is all framed not in a financial drive to the church, but is entirely driven on this principle that we find in Scripture. Luke 16, 11 says, If you've not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? Listen, I believe that we are a community, a body of people that want to see blind eyes open, see the supernatural, see poverty in our city alleviated. I believe that the solutions for our city lie in the context of this community that we want to see the supernatural power of God break out and in and through our lives to affect change in our city. This is the true reward. It is our city healed, restored. The true value and true reward that we delight to see is a kingdom of heaven breaking out in our city such that our city is known for hope, that our city is known for joy because God's kingdom is expanding. That's true spiritual riches. But that reward for us to see as be the supernatural people that God has called us to be, to affect change like we know God wants to do in and through our lives, to see our city transformed. If that's our reward, those spiritual riches are our reward, we have to begin to have integrity in how we deal with earthly finances. So that's the critical issue for me. It's not about finding equations to make you rich. It's not about finding equations to make me rich. That is not my goal. That is not my agenda. But in the beautiful context of reward, Luke 16 tells us there is a reward. I love in Acts 2. Acts 2, there's this whole, whole, right at the very end of Acts 2, there's this whole um, description of what it looks like for the early church to, to exist. And it talks about them laying their lives down for one another, selling all their possessions. It talks about themselves giving of themselves generously, sharing food. There's this beautiful expression in Acts 2 right at the end of generosity, of dealing with integrity with their, with their possessions, with their values. And in the context of that environment, supernatural things happened. And God added to their number daily. Transformation of people's lives happened. And it's this beautiful concoction of as we align ourselves to the reality of stewarding our finances with integrity, the physical finances that we have, and the resource, the physical resource that we have, that actually on the other side of that, there's a reward that we don't just get to experience, our city gets to experience. And that's what I'm going after. And that's why this morning as we close out this series, I want to remind ourselves and commission us again into what it looks like to go transform our city, to see the, the, the realization of the kingdom of heaven made real and tangible in and through our lives to our city because we paid attention to setting integrity around how we deal with our finances. So if you would, would you stand?